0: Pray. Amen. Well, friends, now that Christmas is over, is it over? I don't know. Is it over? My lights are still up in my house, and they probably will be for a couple of weeks still. I don't know if I can get up on that roof right now while it's this cold. But now that Christmas is over, it's time to pay for it. Amen. Right? Oh, I didn't hear amens for that. Right? Maybe it's not time to pay for it. Maybe, maybe, maybe you have a plan to wait a little while. You know, for Visa and Mastercard and that Best Buy credit account. Christmas is just beginning for them because they're going to start raking it in right about now, aren't they? Oh, maybe you have a little grace period on yours. But Christmas for them is just beginning. It's just begun. Uh, but, and we're all well aware that the day has passed and it's time to figure out how to pay for it. But I have one more message that I want to bring to you. Um, you know, we've, we've gone through the Advent um, themes, finished them up on Christmas Eve. But I, I just have one final question. What if Christmas had never happened? What if Christmas had never happened? Have you ever thought about that? What if it had never happened? Our credit cards would probably be at a lower rating, and our, or our, uh, what, what do you call it? our credit score might be higher? Who knows? But what if, but what if Jesus had never been born? This thing about the influence of Christianity being erased, wiped away from history. What about the church? All of that being completely wiped away. Saint Nick would never have done what he did in Asia Minor 1,500 years ago, setting the groundwork for his legacy. In fact, he wouldn't have even been called a saint because that name, that moniker, would never have existed. And this is where my verse for today comes into play, Galatians 4. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. That's what Paul wrote to the Galatians. But think about this. What if the time had not been right? What if the time had not fully come? What would that mean for us? Well, great works of religious art. Like the Transfiguration, the Last Supper, great cathedrals and churches, all gone. Works of literature like Pilgrim's Progress, never written. No Christian schools, hospitals, universities, academies. All of them, never erected. There would have been no Martin Luther, no Reformation, no protestant reformation prison ministries would not exist christian relief agencies or organizations that that bring hope help and assistance never formed there would be no need for missionaries spreading the gospel no wycliffe bible translators no christian music no hymns choruses gospel songs, praise songs. There would be none of that. But the news or the, the news would be much worse than that because if Christ had not come, the promises of God and of the prophets that came through the prophets, they would still be unrealized, unfulfilled. There would be no message of hope, peace, joy, joy love, there would be no gospel, the world would still be living in the dark age that Isaiah prophesied of. You see, from the time of Malachi and the gospel of Matthew, that 400 year period, that was when that that dark age that Isaiah prophesied came to pass. There were no prophets. There were no prophecies. There was no word from God during that 400 year period. That is why there is no scripture given to us, no prophecy given to us during the time uh, between Malachi and Matthew. Sure, we, we have a book that you can reference called the Apocrypha, but that is more of a historical account of what happened to the nation during that 400-year period, and, and how Rome, telling the story of Rome coming in and taking over the area. But there was no prophecy written, and that is why it, is, isn't, it isn't in our canon of Scripture and why we do not include it in our Bibles. If Christmas had never taken place, we could possibly add another 2,000 years to that 400-year number. It would be the year 2020. It wouldn't be the year 2020 for us, but it would be the Jewish year 5762 for us. There would be no reason to have reset the calendar, or worse yet, there would be a different reason for the year that we acknowledge, maybe an ungodly reason for our calendar year. There would be no Christian holidays. None at all. There would be no Christmas, no tree symbolizing the and holding the, the star at the top. There would be no Easter, no resurrection. In fact, at, at Christmas time we would probably be worshiping or, or or emphasizing the winter solstice more, which was the pagan holiday that was being worshipped on the twenty first, which was why the Christian church put Christmas on the twenty fifth. As an alternative. Or at Easter we would be celebrating Eshtar, the, the pagan holiday of spring, honoring, honoring the Teutonic Goddess of Spring. Just just consider what could be we could be seeing worshipped during this time. There would be no Thanksgiving, because the uh, pilgrims who were Christians would never have left England to find a land where they could worship freely. There would be no America. There would be no New Testament. There would be no church. In fact, we would still be under the Old Testament law of Moses. Had Jesus not come, there would have been no salvation from sin. If we wanted to worship God, we being Gentiles would have to convert to Judaism to do so. We would still be offering animal sacrifices in hopes that they would be considered good enough for our sin to be forgiven. We would have to have an exchange table to where you could come in and you could purchase your your pigeon or or dove or or lamb to walk into the altar. We would have to travel to Jerusalem 3 times a year for Passover, Pentecost, for the Feast of Tabernacles. In order to give the most important sacrifices, 10% of our crops and herds, 10% to Levites and to the stewards of the temple, 10% of grain of this and that, We, we would still be under those Old Testament rules and regulations. We wouldn't have a personal fellowship with God either. We would have to go through a priest in order for God to hear our prayers We would have to go through a priest in order for our offerings to be accepted. We would have to go through a priest. There would be no connection, no personal connection. From the beginning of human history, we've been hungry to know about our creator, our maker, our God. Through Christmas, through Emmanuel, through his birth, through his coming, we've been given that tangible view of who he is. That's what the name Emmanuel means. God is with us. <clears throat> Without him there would be no face, no eyes, no ears, no heart, no hands of compassion, nothing in physical form to be written about. Jesus said in John 14:9, "Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father." If Jesus had not come, there would still be no identification. What is God like? Who is God? Going back to Galatians 4 again, the apostle Paul wrote, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son. Again, during that 400 years of silence, no prophets, no prophecy, heaven was silent, and yet the world was being primed. There was darkness, no word from above. Isaiah 8:22, he calls it utter darkness. Isaiah 62, he calls it a thick darkness. But the world was being primed. When the time had fully come. So let me let me tell you the implications of what that means. When God sent Jesus, the world was. The world was ready. Yeah, it was a broken world. It was a dark world. It had broken promises, broken dreams, broken homes, broken hearts. None too different than today. It was a world in moral decline. None too different than society today. There was gross superstition, terrible immorality, widespread corruption, evil run amok, and carnality of the highest order. And no, I'm not describing us, I'm describing their day, but how similar. And yet the world was perfectly primed to receive Jesus. When the time had fully come means that it was the right time. One of the endearing lines at the beginning of Peter Jackson's version of Lord of the Rings is when Gandalf comes riding in on a cart. Frodo runs up to him and he says, you're late. And Gandalf's reply was, a wizard is never late, Frodo Baggins, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. Now, if you know anything about Tolkien, you know that he was a Christian author. And he put all kinds of, of Christian influences in his fiction writings. And I believe he had Galatians 4.4 right here in mind when Gandalf enters. Because you know, God is never late. And God is never too early. God arrives at the perfect time. Jesus arrived precisely when God intended him to. All the pieces were on the board, the table had been set, the time was ripe, and it started when the government wanted to take a census. Well, that fulfilled Micah 5:2 because it pushed Mary and Joseph where? To Bethlehem, which is exactly what Micah 5:2 says would happen. Isaiah 9:7 Tells us that they would both be of the lineage of David. And we know that they were. Isaiah 7.14 tells us that Mary was a virgin. Yeah. It all worked out precisely as God intended. All the pieces in place. It wasn't fate. It wasn't luck. It wasn't coincidence. It was God. Nothing ever happens by accident with God. All things work together as part of the plan that he has put into place. Consider this. The odds of you finding a four-leaf clover are one in 10,000. The odds of you being injured on the toilet are exactly the same. Finding a pearl in an oyster is one in 12,000. Get to shucking, right? Being struck by lightning is 1 in 115,000. And the odds of winning the $1 million prize of Monopoly at McDonald's is 1 in 451,822,158. That's a lot of McDonald's. And a lot of constipation too. Which is where you get injured on the toilet, 1 in 10,000. <laughs> so in the words of Lloyd Christmas, so you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah. Yeah. A big chance. But when it comes to fulfilling 10 of the 300,000 plus prophecies regarding him in the Old Testament, Peter Stoner, a mathematician, tabulated the odds of Jesus just doing 10 of the 300 prophecies as in 1 in 16,425 with 47 zeros after that. So for your math nerds, that's one sextecillion, 642 quindecillion, 500 quattro decillion chance. It wasn't fate, it wasn't luck, it wasn't coincidence. It was God's timing, and God's timing is always perfect. With that probability ratio... You could cover the entire state of Texas with silver dollars two feet deep, mark one of them, stir them all up, blindfold someone, and ask them to find it. Those are the chances. It's too improbable but not with God because he's the author, he's the perfecter, he's the one working it all out. Louis Lapidese was a Jewish man who came from a Jewish family. Lee Strobel is one of my is one of my favorite authors. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he has a great testimony himself. He's written a series of books, The Case for Faith, The Case for Christ, um, and, and then little sub um, books that have come out like this one The Case for Christmas. And he tells about the and he gives the testimony of Louis Lapidese in in that book. Um, And he, like I said, he grew up in a Jewish family, never taught about Jesus. He said, in fact, it was never even discussed in his testimony. He says, my impressions of Jesus came from seeing Catholic churches. I never thought Jesus had any connection to the Jewish people. I just thought he was a God of the Gentiles. When the New Testament was first presented to me, I sincerely thought it was going to basically be a handbook on anti-Semitism, how to hate Jews, how to kill Jews, how to massacre Jews. Strobel writes that Lapidese said several incidents dimmed his allegiance to Judaism as he was growing up. culminating in the divorce of his parents when he was 17. It left him wondering why they didn't at least go to the rabbi for counseling. And what good is religion if it can't help people in a practical way? Well, he was of the age at that time to be drafted to go to Vietnam. And as he made his way over there, he he got involved in a lot of, of the of the culture, figuring out and trying to figure out and make sense of things. He says, on top of that, in Judaism, I didn't feel as if I had a personal relationship with God. I had a lot of beautiful ceremonies and traditions, but God was distant and detached. Here are the rules. Live by them. You'll be okay. I'll see you later, was what I thought. And there I was, an adolescent with raging hormones, wondering, does God relate to my struggles? Does he care about me? as an individual. So he started into these European and, and Asian type of, 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 of spiritual practices until one time he, he found himself at a sidewalk where there was a preacher who had chained himself to the doors of his, of his church. That was at a shopping mall, one of the you know, uh, outdoor shopping malls where he was getting evicted. And so he goes to, to see and to kind of harass this, this preacher when there were Christians in the area there in the crowd that, that were using it as an opportunity to witness to others that were there. So they go up to try to witness to Lapidus and, and they ask him if he, if he knows Jesus. And he says, I'm Jewish, I can't believe in Jesus. So he, so he was asked, do you know about the prophecies about the Messiah? And he said, I've never heard of them. So they gave him a Bible. And he told them, well, I'm not reading the New Testament. And they said, that's okay. Just read the Old Testament and ask the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to show you if Jesus is the Messiah. So Lapidus did that. He said, well, I'm, I'm going to prove it's not there. And he started reading through and seeing prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. And then as he... As he made his way into Isaiah and he, and he read that the Messiah would, would suffer and die for the sins of Israel. And then he kept reading and he got into the New Testament and he couldn't stop reading. And he read where Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the people. He went through the New Testament and he couldn't put it down. And he accepted Jesus Christ into his life. In other words, Jesus' was, Jesus's birth became a reality for Lewis. It became a reality, and Christmas was then written on December 25th on his calendar, where it would never existed before. He would later go on to get a bachelor's degree in theology, a master's in divinity, a second master's in theology, and would spend the rest of his life, dying just a few years ago, sharing Christ with other Jews showing them how Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy pastoring a church in California teaching at seminaries and when asked if if Jesus if it could Jesus have just merely fulfilled these prophecies by accident lapide said not a chance the odds are so astronomical that they rule that out. The odds alone say that it would be impossible for anyone for, to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies. Yet Jesus, and only Jesus, managed to do it. The odds that I shared with you just a moment ago are, if, are a tabulation of 10 of the 300 plus prophecies. And Jesus didn't just fulfill 10 he fulfilled 300 plus. Some would even say 400 plus. For those whose minds are set on the world, Christmas isn't a holy day, it is a holiday. The true meaning of Christmas has never been fully realized. And some of us need to hear that because of the dark age that we're still living in, dwelling in. Asking questions like Lewis did. Can God relate to me? Where is God in all of this? Is God present? Well, Galatians 4.4 4 says that when the time had fully come, God sent his son. At just the right time. God fulfilled. God answered. Not had the time just fully come, but God sent his son. And God, and that's because God always, always keeps his promises. There was a time in that when I knew that God had called me into ministry and we, Marcia and I made the plans that we were going to move and go to school, go to seminary in New Orleans. We didn't have any family down there. We had a couple of associations from a summer that she had spent down there during college to do summer missions. And so we knew a couple of people. And we moved to New Orleans away from home, away from all of our families to go to school, paying for my first year of seminary on a Discover credit card because The dropout rate after the first year of seminary was so high you could not receive uh, you can't receive aid they don't give you freshmen first year students aid to go to seminary at least not 23 years ago (laughs) maybe they do now so it was the ending of my first year and we had made it through Uh, it was about two weeks before my second year and we were we were without a job we had, I had walked away from a church with a pastor who I believed that was working, serving out, or doing actions that were unbecoming of a pastor, so I, we walked away from, from that position. I hadn't received my financial aid, and seminary was starting in just a week, week and a half. And we had been praying about it, you know, Lord, what are you going to do? When are you going to show up? Are you going to show up? How are we going to do all this? And I still remember, Marsha was in Kentucky with Peter, who was a baby at this time, and he was our only one, and she was visiting family up there. And I remember the the day after I made the decision to to step down from that position at the church and calling her in Kentucky and telling her the decision that I had made for us, the very next day, I got a call from a pastor in the church looking for a pianist. And they were wondering if Marcia might be available to play. And uh, I told them that I would pass on her information. And he said, oh, and we're, we need a, a, a music minister too. Would you be available? And I remember getting a phone call from, at the same day, from a, a local Uh, daycare that Marsha had applied for asking her would you be available for a daytime job and I remember uh, missionary friends of ours uh, just got into the IMB they were going to Yemen and they called us they said you know we have this car and we don't know you know you know what to do with it would you all take it okay And then I remember getting the call from the seminary that my financial aid had gone through. And all of that happened like on Monday and Tuesday. Just, you know, right at the right time. The perfect time. Exactly when we needed it. And we were just like, wow. God showed up. God is good. When the time had fully come. There have been other times when he has shown up for us, like when we were looking for a new place to serve and him showing up at just the right time. And here we are, and we're excited, and we're looking forward to 2021 and ministry and seeing God work, amen? And I'm sure that you've been praying too for, you know, God, we're ready for you to show up. We'll put ourselves in position, the right position, on our knees in prayer, and I know he's going to show up at just the right time. But there are other situations, disheartening situations, I'm sure, where we're wondering, God, where are you? God's timing is always perfect always perfect and here's another thing when god work when god moves he's always the first to do so he's always the first to move you say I, I described to you a little bit of what the situation was like in that day and yet it was primed perfect and ready for god to make the move Because God never, ever meets us halfway. God never meets us halfway. He never takes a couple of steps towards us and then stops to wait to see if we're going to take a couple of steps toward him. He always arrives. That's what Emmanuel means. God is now with us. Not near. Not far. Not a couple of steps away. But here. C.S. Lewis wrote, The Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of man could become the sons of God. I love that quote. He didn't say, Climb up here so that we can be together. He said, No, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you in the flesh. I'm coming to give you something you can see and hear and touch. If Jesus had never come, we'd still be waiting and wondering, is God ever going to? But we know that's not the case. He has, and he will, and he promises to. And that's the period we're living in now, in the age of the Lord not in BC not in waiting for him to show up but in the year of the Lord in the presence of God in a way that is unimaginable improbable but yet very real at just the right time God sent his son. And for what reason? Galatians 4, 5 tells us. So that we might be given the rights. As the heirs. As the sons of God. Have you taken hold of that for yourself? Have you allowed your BC to become AD? Because Christmas has come. Emmanuel is here. Receive them. Let's pray.